Hello and welcome to Pali, the Hindu's weekly podcast on major issues in the news. This session we discuss whether early child care centers must be opened sooner. This is Ramya Kannan, your host for the day. The world is still struggling to come to terms with the unprecedented impact that the single strand RNA virus has left on every aspect of human life. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced cities and towns to go into lockdowns in an attempt to slow down the transmission of the disease. The attendant side effects, including the rather sudden withdrawal of certain social support services, have affected large groups of people. With a good proportion of the working population being summoned to their offices or places of work, work from home is no longer possible. But the usual structures that would keep their young children safe while parents were at work, schools, anganwadis, balwadis and creches are not yet operational. In this context, parents have made the fervent appeal to open up early childcare centers in order that they may join the workforce and put food on the table. It is certainly not an easy decision to make. Is it a medical decision? Is it a financial decision? Is it a social commitment? And the big question, will it lead to a rash of infections? No one is able to tell for sure. Today, we have two speakers who bring to the table decades of experience in this highly specialized field and will be able to bring some informed points to the debate. We have with us Mrs. Maya Gaitonde, Honorary General Secretary of the Chennai-based Balamandir Kamraj Trust. She comes with rich experience in early childhood care and a wealth of field experience battling problems on a day-to-day basis. The other speaker for us today is Professor Shanmugavelayadam, who is the convener of TN Forces or the Tamil Nadu Forum for Crash and Child Care Services and as such, he anchors a swath of organizations working in the area of child care. So we welcome our guests to this parley. The first question I'd like to ask is, the disruption that this pandemic has achieved is historic. Can we look closely at the problems, these particular problems in the field of early child care and development in this context? Can I ask uh, Mrs. Gaitonde to come in first? Uh, good evening. Uh, yes, it's a very, very pertinent, very critical uh, question. If you look at early childhood and you start literally from, I would say, even from the time where mothers are now you know, pregnant, it's a, there's a health issue, there's a nutrition issue, there's humanization. In fact, we know world around the criticality of the first thousand days which takes care of the, you know, the child in the womb as well. And uh, therefore, I would say from the point of view of the health services, if they are not uh, catering immunization, the staff, I mean, it's all around. This is a very, very important stage in the child's life, the mother's life, quite apart from before the child comes in. And then, of course, all the various, in fact, I would say that whatever existing problems did exist in early childhood care, seem to have now escalated because of the uh, pandemic. And actually, this affects every strata of society. Of course, I'm sure when we talked about the Anganwadis and the Keshazan, it was the definitely that, uh, you know, people in poverty, and that's a very, very large number in our country. 
phenomenal numbers, but it has affected mothers across the board. Um, in where, where the working mothers, mothers at home, mothers living all over the country. I mean, all I can say is that, yes, it is true. Uh, and uh, particularly, I would say it is the problem is one of care and then development, the stimulation. And there are so many other issues um, that I think that need to be looked into. The nutrition for the pregnant mother, for example, if it's young and worried, is it reaching the mothers? These are all things that these are all questions that will need to it is affecting nutrition across the board it's affecting institutions wherever the little child is i would say they are being affected and then uh, it's just a huge problem and i don't know whether how how these centers and i think this is not a problem only in our country it's a problem across the world I've been looking at all that's happening in all the countries, everywhere in early childhood, everybody is in a quandary. What do we do with it? School education, they're thinking, okay, what they can do with early childhood. Yes. Now, as far as the COVID-19 pandemic, actually, this is a very new phenomenon. Uh, we are not prepared for the type of uh, pandemic. So that is also very rightly pointed my identity. It affected all section of the people. Same manner, it also affects the childcare uh, system also. So, so because kind of way, uh, ramification is a vast issue regarding as far as any childhood is concerned. Now, as a nutrition point of view, immunization point of view, health point of view, any childhood care point of view, then my preschool education point of view. Because kind of a, a large scale ramification impact is there, but. Uh, Regarding now, because we, we, we are not prepared for this type of thing, so it's the first time it's there. Moreover, the disease aspect is a very, very peculiar. There's a ongoing, there are so many things is also coming. Um, so, in that point, what happened? What, what is our thing? So, as you mentioned regarding if there is a purely a medical decision. So, it is not a purely medical decision, even if they open a childcare center also. People may not wait to send the children because it is a social aspect because there is a panic. There is a pandemic created so much panic about that. So that is why it is a not necessary, not only a medical, it is a bloody socio economic political angle we have to see about that that uh, COVID-19 pandemic point of view. Um, even uh, even in the other group, other section also affected same manner, very childhood child. Point of view, all stakeholders, including a private sector, uh, staff member of the private school, they are because most of the private childcare centers are all self financed, they are not able to manage, because they have to pay the salary, some of them might have left the job. All these are all wide ramifications there because of that. In a government level, government also, major thing is called Anganwadi centers through ICDS. In Tamil Nadu alone, there are 54,439 Anganwadis. Initially, what happened, they have not opened, they have not done any work. Now only because of that pressure between them, Supreme Court also involvement, then much how they have they are distributing a take-home ration and yet. That's a, as a part of nutrition discussion because most of the poor families, vulnerable families, the children has been, uh, for the nutrition point of view, now they are giving a take-home ration discussion. Even now, if they take a survey in that Tamil Nadu alone, only 80% of the people have been in the um, 
Analogy subject is survey, literature point of view. Uh, then another component is uh, regarding preschool component is concerned, completely is uh, very missing. Uh, from the private school is concerned, because of that, they have a lot of families and uh, they have an online program, they are doing this. But as far as analogy is concerned, there is no preschool, there is no simulation, there is no care. That aspect is concerned, that is the one missing link because of the COVID 19. Now, problem is that. Uh, is, uh, how we can resolve it? That's also one question is, uh, that we can see about that. Right. Thank you very much, sir. So now I think you have brought us to a very significant point, which is um, can these child care centers, early child care centers, be opened early, as in sooner than other schools, even if the government is not thinking of opening uh, schools, can child care centers be opened? We already discussed this, whether it was a pure medical decision, but as professionals in the field, as people who have ex excellent field experience, years of field experience, um, what do you think are the factors that should weigh in before we take a decision like this? Um, Mrs. Gaitonde first, and then perhaps uh, Professor Shan Uh It is a, we can't say it's a pure medical decision because you see, um, where early childhood is concerned, of course, there is this the safety of the mother. And then the second part of it would be the what can she pass on the information? I don't know how much research there is about or I mean, experience about children getting it. We are hearing that, you know, children do get it. And then the aftermath of, um, you know, their uh, uh, respiratory problems later on. But I would just like to say that in this entire issue, uh, you know, we're talking about social physical distancing, but early childhood is one part of it where the most important is the physical physical closeness, which is uh, very, very important for the children. And uh, I can't imagine a mother keeping a distance from the children you can, and, you know, explaining to them that that is something that they can't do. We are having that problem even in our orphanage where the little ones, we are not able to, um, we can't tell them stay away. And, you know, we have infants, we have toddlers. That's a very important thing. Also for the children with the disability. Nowadays, the therapy is no longer available. All kinds of therapies, we are seeing that. I'm talking even about institutions like ours. So what about those children who need to access? Therapists can't go to them. These are all problems that are um, these are all problems that are being faced by um, children um, and what is the question there's a nutrition part of it medical when I say medical I'm talking about children who fall ill going to the hospital these are all various issues which are um, I don't know how we are going to be I mean how they're going to look at it uh, and that's a very important thing in the child's life, the nutrition, medical, particularly in early childhood, we know that. That this is something that is very, very uh, important to the children's lives. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Gaitonde. I'm now going to ask um, Professor Velaidam to give his point of view on the subject. Uh, so the early childhood care centers work on 
we have discussed with our own network members and some of the early childhood care specialists and also Anganwadi unions and other people. General opinion is concerned, no, at present. Now, as you all know, regarding this, it is uh, COVID-19, uh, uh, everyone is affected by the COVID-19, including children. But a uh, 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 medical point of view would happen, particularly infants are vulnerable to the COVID-19 infection, even though we had a statistics less, but uh, they will also be automatically become from the contacts and other things. Definitely, that will be uh, had a, a repercussion on children also. Another thing, Maya actually mentioned that now what happened the government of India, WHO, all these mentioned about these safety uh, protocols. That very difficult to insist in the young children, especially you know six years and other things. They are mentioned about uh, wearing a facial mask. Regarding uh, young children, babies do not uh, do the social distancing. Then difficult to follow all the hygienic practices. That's very difficult. That's why now what happened? If it is the elder children or older children, that might have been able to follow. But young children, by nature, very active. They may not follow all the health protocols and other things. Another point itself, suppose example, any children, any uh, children affected by this uh, COVID-19, it's not an individual children, because the whole family will be there, because uh, if they go for the quarantine, they go for hospital, mother also should accompany. So the whole family will disrupt that. That is a major repercussion for that. That is a thing. Now under the National Education Policy 2020, the early childhood care and development has become part of the school system. Now become part of the education. Now automatically what happened, they pick these people also because when there is a school is there, then only they will follow it. Now you cannot have an isolated regarding early childhood care and development. So that is a recent asset which can facilitate to open a university, high school, then mature middle school, elementary school, then only we have. I do agree the working women, there are certain section of the people who have been affected by these uh, lockdown because of the closure, all these I admit, I agree, even the staff also facing problem. But problem is that safety of the children is very important because we cannot follow the, all the health protocols. That is the reason because immediately what happened, it is not merely a X or Y child, it is a whole family will be there. Staff member is there, adults are also there, whole system will be affected. That is why, at present, uh, the conclusion is concerned we should not open as soon as possible. When we take the time, based on when there is a pandemic subdue when there is a lesser number of cases, then my job is to take a decision about when it will be open. Because then also, that time also, we need a clear cut guideline, as on date, there is no guideline from the government of India, Tamil government. Thank you so much um, for this, uh, both of you. I think there have been excellent points that all of you have uh, made and some of the points that will have to be considered before a decision is taken. So my next question is probably a corollary to what uh, we have been talking about. And uh, 
if one were to make a decision at some point to open schools or even to close schools, uh, do you think it should be a collaborative effort? Do you think that the government, the health department should be in consultation with the school education, early child care or whatever department that handles that portfolio? Along with NGOs in the sector, working with Anganwadis and Balwadi teachers, helpers and cooks and see what is the and evolve at a conclusion based on this consultative process. Uh, Professor Shanmagvelaidam first. Uh, I think before, before opening, we need a consultation about that. Not only we, we can do some sort of deadline, some sort of arrangement for that. So this is a very, very, very new phenomenon for us. That is also that really parents, all the stakeholders, including Amanadi worker, the, the staff member, even the private sector also, they are so much panic, so much fear about that. That is a that's a reason also that so for example if tomorrow you open also no one is willing to send them because fear panicness is also there. So first of what happened there is a need for consultation, then might have to do a stage by stage we can do it. We cannot open all of the sudden, stage by stage open. Whatever our early childhood care and development field is concerned, there are a variety of things there. I think point out we get a correct also, we get a private sector, we get a self-finance. We get the government, some of the uh, government sector also have, ICDS is also there. So various stakeholders also there in the team. So we need to have some sort of understanding and some sort of preparation for that. Then we can take a decision for this. Right. Right. So you, you agree that it should be a consultative process. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Um, now, can I ask Mrs. Gaitonde to chime in on this? No, I, I, I would agree with him that, yes, consultation, that is very important because, you know, some people right on the ground can give you experience, you know, they can tell you from experience, yes, this will work, this will not work. You know, you can't take a decision entirely and just say from the medical. I do believe it could be consult, uh, you know, it should be definitely. That's something in this area because I think it's, yeah. we all know so little about this particular area of early childhood care to take care of uh, in, in a situation like this. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you so much. So my next question is um, is more basic and uh, it's probably the very fulcrum of uh, early child care, which is uh, um, looking after children that are destitute, that don't have families, that don't have parents, and looking after children that need social support structures. Like uh, we hear that... Um, admission of children into homes and uh, into childcare homes and into uh, government homes has nearly come to a standstill and also that adoptions are at a standstill. So how does this really affect the destitute babies? These, these are like, you know, really young children. Um, how does it affect them? And what are the uh, what is the nature of foster care at this point of time or institutional care? And what are the ramifications for the future? How will this affect us in the future? Mrs. Gaitonde first, and then we'll go on. Ramya, I can tell you just from experience that, you know, we, uh, when adoption and foster care and all are, all the legal issues are now delayed, governmental statutory issues are delayed, then it just means that much delay of the child continuing in the institution rather than going into the home, which is the ideal situation, you know, parents are the, you know, direct parents to have, is the ideal situation. 
it was interesting. We had a judgment which we said send all children in destitute homes. That was the order given by the Supreme Court that you please send all the children to their parents or, you know, whatever, who are the family, the caregivers. And uh, we, where do we send all our children? Many of them have no parents. They are orphaned or their parents are living on the street. They're not. We did, uh, to follow the law, send children back uh, to wherever, you know, the parents want to take them. But now the big problem is they can't continue to take care of the child and we can't bring them in. There is all this thing of, um, what do you call it, the uh, quarantine period. There are no transport to come back. And if you really look at it, these are very these long waits in adoption. Maybe the total number is not so many. But the long waits in adoption, children are continuing in the institution rather than being in the home. So, and one area which we maybe need to really talk about is what about this abuse and the abandonment? Children are definitely being abandoned. They are in distress, whether it's because of cyclone or if it's, I mean, there are so many other calamities that are taking place and the children are just left. Where are they? And who is taking care of them? And all of this has a very, very strong traumatic effect on the mental health of the child quite apart from their physical health the lack of nutrition lack of health care and this is at a very vulnerable time when it's very difficult for them to even seek out help what would they do so i think and it's an enormous problem if you just see the number of children that are going are affected by this and um, what what is happening to them we really we, we all i would say i wouldn't we won't even know because that is something completely taken out of the whatever the reporting or anything like that. Um, these issues are not because there are maybe other major issues that are taking place. We are very lucky wherever these children are in safe places. I would say that's another group of COVID warriors, staff who are taking care of these children, whether they are nurses in the, uh, in the IC, in the Institute of Child Health or they're in institutional care. I would say they are safer than many of the children who are just abandoned. And uh, at this age, what does a child do without a caregiver? Very, very difficult. They're not even, I mean, I'm, I I would hate to say that they can even beg, but they cannot do even even do that. So what do they do? I don't know. It's, it's a huge uh, situation, especially of uh, destitute children, orphans, those who are abandoned. And, um, and this is something I don't know that we've done enough... Um, even researched into it, or we have any kind of statistics to know how to, how awful the situation is. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, now, uh, Professor Shanmugam, do you want to talk about? I mean, do you see that this this whole structure we are in now will lead to problems for us in the future? Because at this point of time, we are not able to take care of our destitute children. Definitely. See, if you see about the institutionalized point of view, uh, there are government institutions also there, that there are uh, NGO sector also, the government aided institution also there. Now, because of the COVID-19 situation, some of the private institutions, self-financed, they get the donations from NGO sector, they get the donation from outside world and other things. That is completely what happened, uh, stopping. So they were not able to run that institution. They send them to the again back to the families and other things. That's also happening there. Because no financial commitment, you know, that's a very, very big issue for the some of the NGO running an institution in an That is a one major issue. Unless 
government they should do some package, some package special provision for that. Then only they are able to run because the whole uh, financial mobilization is concerned. That is the one. Already mentioned about that all that is a statutory body like the CWC, <coughs> CWC, JJ board, all other bodies are all standstill. It's not functioning at all. See how can they play some children in a either adoption or in institutionalization? That first thing what happens they should divide that these bodies and they should function including a our Tamil Nadu State Council for State Council for that is also it's not functioning there. So we need to revive that all the statutory bodies. Then much all we can do it better action and we can help these institutionalization and adoption all other process. That is my view. Right. Thank you so much. Um, so I will now move over to the I think we've touched on uh, a few of these points right through our conversations, but I'm uh, Moving on to the issue of the situation of the workforce itself in early child care sector. So um, have they been out of work? <clears throat> this included, includes uh, people like ayas or cooks or workers in Anganwadis and Balwadis, uh, teachers in these places. Uh, what about caregivers in um, homes? What about caregivers in creches? So um, how have they worked during this pandemic, what precautions must they be taking in future? Um, let's try and look at some of the examples that you may have in your fields uh, itself. How do we ensure that our caregivers are safe, the child, early child care workforce is safe, um, in order that they also ensure that the children they're taking care of are safe? Um, maybe Professor Shanmugwelaidam first? Yes. Now, as far as the childcare staff is concerned, what is the government, ICDS, Anganwadi workers, Anganwadi workers, that they are all taken care by the government. They are. But the problem is that they also have to involve in a uh, pandemic work, that they have to go past house to house. In the initial stages, they face a problem regarding they are not given any precautionary. Uh, protective measures then much all because of the government pressure and other things. Now they have given that's the one sector. Another sector is cancer. We had a scheme called a uh, national scheme for crush workers. Crush. That is uh, in Tamil Nadu alone, previously 1700. Now we have 300 crushes also there by the support of the government of India. Now the coast, so mostly supported by the NGO. I came to know about that, that the NGO point of view because they are not giving money to the government of India and also the Nadu government because it is a shared between uh, center and state and the NGO sector. They are not able to pay. Some of the NGO what happens, they pay only 20%, 30%, 40%. That type of thing they face hell of problem there in Nigeria. Especially self-finance crush or self-finance preschool, standalone preschool is concerned. What happened? They are not purely based on the money received in the parents. That they are not getting any money. So automatically, what happened? They are not able to pay the salary for the standalone preschool run by the private sector, which is a self-financed basis. They are not able to pay. Some they pay regarding 10 percent, 50 percent. The middle school, I think, they also do take some other work or online parent program or other things that they are charging also there. Really. The technical condition for the child care worker because in that 
ஜிபாலஜிப்பிள் and uh, i think absolutely truthful about what they do so we are now in fact we very slowly have opened up the institution we are very lucky as you talked about the for- workforce we are lucky because we are able to pay our staff even those who are not able to come now that must not be the situation in most creches and uh, who can you know stay uh, we are following very very clear cut protocols uh, in fact it's very interesting we've uh, got our staff to wear full sleeves um something full sleeves you know just even a shirt on top because at this age children come running to you and you can't keep them aside you can't say stay away our children interestingly are getting used to masks and uh, so you know the caregiver uh, wearing a mask is something with an infant probably that's going to be the new normal for most infants because if the, if the care if the caregivers are coming from outside and then we have all whatever it is the temperature I mean everything in the institution but we are very lucky to be able to do it i don't know anyway how many uh, will be able to do uh, will be able to do that one of the main problems is the lack of transportation people would like to get back to work even if they are following all the protocols but that is not possible not everybody can offer you know afford an auto or a, a, what do you call it the uber and in the uh, district i know that the anganwadi workers for example they don't even i mean they are not they are not in the anganwadis they are they've been distributing the nutrition but again whether that is reaching are they able to take the health i mean it, it's a very difficult uh, problem also where the workforce is concerned i do believe that there's a lot of fear even if there are people who are willing to go forward and you know get on with their job the family fears are there no don't go out you will because they mean come back it's not only what they do in the workplace it's what they might bring back into the home i mean these are all uh, problems that a workforce is um, is really facing and um, it's a very very large workforce uh, so vilaydan would have to, uh, professor would have said about the anganwadi workers um i don't know i think much of anganwadi is now come to a standstill i don't know maybe they are being paid there uh, the the salary is getting paid but uh, the children i don't think are able to get most of the places we know where we are doing outreach programs the anganwadi is sort of it is closed so 
it's a, it's a very, um, all I can say is that they have to keep themselves safe. Families have to agree to send them to work. That is going to be a big problem for the workforce. Because they, the, they, they go for work, they have to come back. And many people says, no, don't. It's going to be dangerous. I mean, I think that's a lot. The fear is a very, very important um, right. component in their work. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I think uh, both of you have some really excellent points uh, going forward, uh, especially about the workforce and what institutions will have to do and whether they will be able to do it at all, even financially, socially, or um, in terms of support. Uh, for children so the other in in this context something that strikes me is that would you recommend that uh, um, i know professor spoke about establishing guidelines before we start opening these centers but would you recommend that a training module be developed that could then uh, an easy training module like mrs gaitonde you said about what the institute of epidemiology had provided for you an easy training module for people in the workforce in the early childcare sector. Do you think that's a valid question, um, Mrs. Gaitonde? You're asking because we are doing even in our outreach programs, quite a large number of people have, uh, you know, smartphones rather than just the cell phones or even the cell phones. And so we are doing interaction with parents. In fact, in our project in Gumudipundi, we are teaching the field workers how to keep in touch with the parents, ask the right questions. In the Madaram Narayan Center, where the children are all with early intervention, much of the work is being done online. It is being done. And that is something which definitely is a plus point right now. But what is the percentage of uh, you know homes where there are early, ch I mean, young children? And where they can reach out on the um, uh, cell phone, I don't know. But we are definitely doing it. They, they ask advice. Our early child our caregivers are not. The center is not open, but they are in touch with all the parents, whether in the slum or in the outreach programs. In Nagarkoil, they are in touch with the tribal areas. You know, they're not able to access them or go there. But this online is definitely something which is going to be a big uh, plus point. And you can send little pictures even, you know, early childhood, something something interesting rather than saying everything is conversational. But I don't think that's the solution to the entire problem because not everybody is online and nothing like that. But I think we have to tide over the COVID situation by taking that alternative. At least you're in touch with them and, you know, they can be touched. In fact, that was one of the very interesting things. Our pediatrician, right through the early part of COVID, he had three, four times a day he used to you know, get the online picture of the child if the child was not well. And we were lucky in Balamandir all these months. We so far not yet, I mean, all I can say as of today, not got a COVID uh, a case either of the staff who are coming in or not. But the pediatrician did his work that way because there was no way that, uh, you know, he could come. He did try to come once a week. So, I mean, this is a, this technology definitely is a facilitator. But it is, uh, and definitely will help us through, a lot of the problems but what percentage of people can benefit from this that is something in our country which you know i think is a question mark right uh, but i was also wondering if you know trainings on um, uh, training on personal hygiene and how to keep distance and that kind of thing more basic do you think it should be done online too or how do you think it can be done for outreach workers 
definitely because uh, in fact we are planning all of that that you know apart from the training on early childhood or what to talk to the parents it's not a full fledged training but what to talk to parents we are trying to convey that through this one is for you to follow all these rules what is it you know even how simple they can be what you should do and uh, also how to tell the mother for example a mother looking after a baby you know the number of times she'll have to touch the baby's mouth and the thing like you know the number of times she therefore has to wash or whatever she has to do these are all important things definitely this training is will have to be done that is one way of doing it right now in this particular situation whether that's the only way it should go on later on that's different but many ngos are also now contacting us and say that can you give us that can you give us the visuals and things like that so we are developing all of that to to uh, share with others because uh, that's a very very wonderful way of uh, right now i mean i'm just looking at it this way i don't know that online is right of course of course right thank you um now uh, professor would you like to uh, speak about uh, whether training modules are necessary especially for this large workforce in anganwadis and balwadis and uh, our primary schools maybe yes there is a need for a training module uh, that should be uh, developed by the experts then the family should translate into action that's a one now at present what is the thing you know there is a division there is a, a large section whatever they have they are in school with the online with the digital mode learning is going on but the majority of the poor social that is present that is in delay the poor children also what happened they are also having isolated anxious they are also bored there is a lot of panic needs among the poor background children is concerned including anamali icds some of the section is concerned what is the government should do it see now as far as the school education they are telecasting a higher standard all the day school pattern is concerned for the preschool for early childhood education at least a half an hour they should devote for the Early childhood care section is concerned. It is all funding, all creativeness. That should be done and telecasted because now all the other people are having a smartphone. Now that has been prepared. Now as on date there is a need. So what the government should do is that the other any elementary school, primary school, plus two, all these things they are doing like a Kalvi, Kolakachi, and other things. But on the other hand. In the early childhood care education are low. At least a half an hour. Even though our guidelines say our digital mode guidelines, government has come in that way. At least half an hour for the parents. Same thing. What happened? They can telecast these at preschool also because that can cater to these people because that section has been completely omitted. On the other hand, private schools they are doing online. They are charging fees and other things that they are doing. But as a poor background student, at least they need some sort of. Uh, early childhood care education stimulation power. We need a program that has been devised for the IT department and school education department. With some consultancy, whatever they can telecast at least half an hour. Same manner, another half an hour of parents also how to manage, how to do this. That we can be translated. That is more useful. At some day, very very they uh, ICDA they are doing like immunization, um, uh, take operation, other things. But on the other hand, the stimulation point of view, early childhood education, government should do this part of program that is my helpful. That's a that's my view. Thank you, thank you, sir. 
So I'm going to, this is uh, probably our last question, and I'm going to focus on a very, very important area, but conceptual area, perhaps. Uh, one of the key concerns across the world, not just in India, about uh, early child care is whether it is inclusive or it is exclusive. Um, there are complaints that, you know, uh, looking at marginalized groups like children with disabilities, for instance, uh, is a focus that we don't necessarily have all the time. So in a post-COVID world, do you think inclusion is going to be easier or we should work harder to bring in um, children of various, uh, you know, uh, categories uh, some who may be marginalized too. And I'm going to ask Mrs. Gaitonde to come in first on this, please. Inclusion, uh, inclusion, yes. I'm, I mean, inclusion, there is no, even right now, inclusion is a difficult thing. People are not really thinking of inclusion. And I'm talking about inclusion, not only for differently abled, but all the other, I mean, marginalized. How many more children can come into this loop of early childhood care? You know, we've had an early childhood policy, but I do not know what percentage we have been able to reach out to. And uh, it is going to be uh, the post-COVID world. We don't really know what the new normal will be, but definitely I think they must be, be able to come into these centers where the stimulation, because we know how critical brain development at this age is and how much our children who are not getting this kind of care are missing out. And that's affecting them for life. And now it doesn't matter which theory of education you talk about, but they always talk about the criticality. So that's something that's going to be very important. Right. Thank you so much. Um, now, uh, maybe we'll have the professor come in on that. So what do you think that is inclusion? Do we have to pay more uh, attention to inclusion in a post-COVID world? Yes. There is a need to be especially for the inclusion. Even now, the new national education policy 2015 they regarding universalization of early childhood care and development, where it's going to cater to all sorts of all children. That's a main problem. That's why they have to be a framework. Now, very difficult. As, as for policy is concerned, only certain percentage is covering. Uh, it's very difficult to have universalization of early childhood care and development for all children. Further, what happens, you need a special effort we need a special investment for that. Take an example, tribal children. We need a, a special focus for that. Then only they can come under that. Because uh, again, we have an ashram school. Again, we are having a medicine small school. Is there. All sorts of content is available there. Especially, include them some of the marginalized section. All, uh, all people, you need a special provision for that, special investment for that. Special program for that, then only we can cover the universalization of any child in Canada. Otherwise, what happens, it will be in the proper way. That means. Right, 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 of course. So I think we've had a very fruitful discussion so far. Uh, thank you both, uh, Mrs. Gaitonde and Professor Shanmugvelaidam for coming in and being a part of the parley and sharing your expert views on this. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Ram Ramya, for having us.